listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with me, Jade Elliott, where we talk all things pregnancy, children, and parenting. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health. You're listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast with myself, Jade Elliott, joined by dermatologist with Intermountain Healthcare, uh, Dylan Alston. Thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. We are talking about um, common baby skin conditions today. Baby skin can be so pure and perfect and soft, and I don't think that there's anything that actually smells like baby skin. It just has that precious little scent to it. It's perfect. (laughs) It's perfect, right? It is perfect. And sometimes then it becomes a little imperfect after birth, and that's when us as parents start to freak out a little bit. That's correct. Because our perfect baby skin all of a sudden isn't. That's right. But it's normal, right? Yes. And it's important to remember that baby skin is the standard by which all beautiful skin is measured. How many times have we said smoother than a baby's, Little right? Little tiny, we've, yes. We've said it before. Uh, baby skin is perfect. It's beautiful. Uh, and so any small deviation from that perfection catches mom and dad's attention mm-hmm. pretty quick. Is it safe to say that it's also pretty resilient? It can be. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it's important to know that the baby's skin is still developing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just the, as the, your baby the just the paint job's to grow. not it hasn't dried yet. Yeah. It's still curing and skin is developing and sweat glands are maturing and oil glands are, are forming. So yes, it's it's beautiful, but it's still it's still gonna get better. Right. So when we see something pop up, um, it does cause concern. And of course, as parents, we wanna know, oh my gosh. What's wrong? How do we fix it? How do we take care of it? Um, a real common one, baby acne. And that's not something you always would associate acne and a baby. Right. We think teenagers. Right. Uh, baby acne is extremely common, and it's believed that approximately 50% of babies who are born will develop baby acne. This is something that will happen very early in the baby's life, sometimes while you and the baby are still in the hospital. Mm. And this is called erythema toxicorum neonatalis. And it's a long word that essentially means your baby's fine. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Uh, this type <laughs> That's of really all we care about at the end of the day. Right. Yes. And, and a good night's sleep. Yeah. But this is a this is a little bit of acne that will tend to develop on the baby's central face around the cheeks, the nose, and even between the eyebrows. And it's oftentimes bright red, and it's concerning, especially to new moms, maybe their first child, and they haven't experienced it before. But your pediatrician that begins to visit you in the hospital and your gyne- or your obstetrician, they will reassure you that this is normal, and it typically goes away within the first two weeks of life. And can it come in different forms? Can some baby acne be more aggressive than others? Or is it all pretty general? If, if it's baby acne, it's, it all looks kind of the same. Yes, that brings us to a second form of baby acne that might show up maybe around two or three weeks okay. of life. So you might think, 
hey, my baby had erythema toxicorum neonatorum. Also known as he's just fine. Yes. <laughs> and then it goes away and you think all is fine until you get home. And that first or second week, your baby starts to develop pimples on their face and forehead. And this is called, uh, this is another form of uh, baby acne called benign. That's a good word. That's a good word. Cephalic, which is head. Uh-huh. Pustulosis, which, which you know, can mean acne-like. Yeah. yeah. And this is thought to be responsible b- from a normal yeast that lives on all of our skin. Hmm. This is a yeast that babies are born with, mom and dad have, and every human being in the world has. And it's thought to be the baby's immune system is beginning to wake up and it's beginning to react at this this yeast. Over the next couple of weeks, the baby acne or the this type of acne will fade away again without any necessary treatment and the baby skin will be looking beautiful again. Is there anything that we should be doing to try to treat the baby acne? Should we be, I don't want to say popping it because we know that that's don't not pop them. what we should do, but treating it in the sense of not necessarily how we treat our own acne as adults, sure. but anything specific that we should be doing. Gentle. These are newborn babies. These babies don't need their skin scrubbed or mm-hmm. abraded. Use gentle cleansers. Mm-hmm. I love a line called Vanna cream. They make wonderfully elegant, uh, safe products for children and even adults. Mm-hmm. They're fragrance free. We don't want a bunch of fragrances, even though moms love their babies to smell wonderful. But they already do. They do. But that baby lotion that smells good, we want to avoid that because those fragrances can become an irritant. So for baby acne, it's important to be patient. Mm-hmm. Don't don't fuss with them. Leave mm-hmm. them alone and give it time. If it seems like it's taking longer than it should, maybe you should see your pediatrician or your dermatologist. And as a parent, is there any sort of sign or symptom we should be looking for with our baby, um, as new as they are, that they would be showing us signs that it might be painful or uncomfortable to them? Babies love to sleep. And so if your God child... Uh, yes. <laughs> if your child is being... overly fussy Mm -hmm. they're not nursing or they're not taking their bottle and you just feel like your child is struggling in some regards and they have a skin rash of some sort it's important to to have them evaluated because just like pregnant women babies can develop skin rashes very early on in life that can be threatening to their health Mm -hmm. so look for the baby's overall demeanor are they healthy are they well are they persistently fussy or are there other reasons you might have that motherly instinct right. that something's wrong? Right. But all in all, baby acne, very it's, common. And it'll go away. Everything will be okay. Yeah. Okay, cradle cap. This one can um, be a little surprising sometimes. Kind of come out of nowhere almost. Correct. So as we talked about one of the forms of baby acne, this entity, cradle cap, is essentially dandruff. And people will think, wait, how does my newborn baby have dandruff? That's something you get from sharing combs or not being clean. And that is a myth. And so we're going to bust that myth. I like it. Dandruff or cradle cap is due to the same yeast that causes benign cephalic pustulosis. Hmm. 
Hmm. It's the body's immune system reacting towards this yeast and creating that dry, flaky scalp. Mm -hmm. If your baby starts to develop some baby dandruff, and I will admit that I treated my baby's dandruff. See? Using a it even happens to dermatologists. It children. does. We're not immune to it. <laughs> I would recommend a gentle cleanser from like Johnson & Johnson or even Vanacream. Mm-hmm. has a very safe anti-dandruff shampoo that you could gently rub in your baby's hair. And it's important that any dandruff shampoo, baby or not that it's left in for approximately three to five minutes. Oh, okay. And for any of you men that are listening, we're guilty of wash putting it in and washing it out within seconds. I'm pretty sure you guys use just one product in the shower for soap. from top to bottom. Yeah, bar yeah. soap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the same is true with our baby. Let your baby kick around in the tub. Let your baby enjoy the warm water and the squeaky toys. Mm-hmm. And let that medicated shampoo sit for a few minutes Rinse it out. Be careful to not get it in the eyes. And that will begin to help the cradle cap improve. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that we can utilize? Um, Should we be using just our hands to kind of work that in? Is there a special little baby massage head type brush we should be using? A wash rag? Hands are great because your baby thrives on contact. Mm -hmm. And so your baby wants to feel your hands and your touch. Other than that, a soft microfiber or gentle cloth is all that's recommended. But I would not be using a loofah mm-hmm. or a brush or anything on your baby's new skin. It's not it's not resilient enough at this point. And can we see any sort of discoloration with cradle cap or is it just the flakiness? Cradle cap can take on, we describe it as a, a greasy or kind of a, a an orangey mm-hmm. hue to it uh, that can show up. So if you I see that. I just thought that was because my baby had red hair. Nope. It's actually but dandruff. It's yep. And dandruff is not related to hygiene. It's related to your immune system. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting. Uh, and my youngest, Jackson, he did have a little cradle cap um, once he came home. And mm-hmm. it did kind of take on that orange hue. Again, I didn't notice it as much because he was kind of a strawberry blonde mm-hmm. when he was born. But then my mom and my mom, I had to slap her hands away because she's Picking trying to start it. pick at it. Yep. Yeah. Is that just a mom thing? That's a mom thing. Yeah. So I had to tell her not to do that. And she's like, well, then you need to do something else with it. So and I did. And you said, I already talked to my dermatologist. And I said, I'm on top of it, mom. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Grandmas these days, right? I hear you. I know. Um, Because you shouldn't pick at it. You shouldn't. No. Sometimes the dandruff can be somewhat adherent to the scalp, and you can actually cause bleeding by picking at it. Luckily, we didn't get that far. Um, But I did ask her if she had anything that she wanted me to pick off of her skin so that she could kind of understand what she was doing. The other thing that's important about cradle cap is dandruff in adults and children does affect the skin. Mm. And that's that's one of the issues that... Patients will sometimes object to, I don't have dandruff on my face. Well, yes, because we have that yeast there. And wherever that yeast is, dandruff can show up. So on the face, it's most commonly in or between the eyebrows, as well as the crease of the nose. Interesting. As well as behind your ears. So that's why mom always suggested that we wash wash behind behind our our ears. ears. Because dandruff does build up behind our ears. And is that... 
more common? Do you see that more often with a baby? I actually see it more common in adults. Really? Yep. Fascinating. Uh, another thing, and this is, I think this is a big one. Um, and sometimes, in my personal opinion, and there's always that disclaimer, I am no doctor. Um, but in my personal opinion, I think self-diagnosis of eczema <laughs> is running rampant. Yes. Look, I had the same opinion as a doctor. There you go. <laughs> but I do. I, I think every time someone sees a dry patch or some itchy skin, they automatically think, oh, I have eczema. And that's not the case. And that's because eczema is very common. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's the one diagnosis we're familiar with or, we or we've heard our child, our other child had it or our sibling had it or somebody we know had it. Mm-hmm. So we translate that or project it onto the other child. Or just self-diagnosis. Yep. Yeah. So sure. let's talk about it. What what really is it? Um, it can be respectively common in babies. Yes, and eczema is more of a basket term. It's mm-hmm. a it's a very broad category that has many smaller categories. So the most appropriate term would be f- atopic dermatitis, mm. and that is the 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 true term for eczema. Eczema in babies can happen very quickly within the first few weeks of life, and the reason is is Patients with eczema or atopic dermatitis, when their skin was developed in utero, their skin was not able to properly form a critical protein called filaggrin. And filaggrin is a protein that helps aggregate or bind our skin surface together. And so when that protein is either missing or it's not present in enough quantity, the skin becomes leaky like a broken brick wall. Mm. There's cracks in Mm -hmm. it. And that's what allows the moisture to evaporate and the skin to begin to dry out. So it's not always about what mom and dad are or are not doing. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, true atopic dermatitis is genetic. Interesting. And is it something because um, I know for our kids, they're both very fair-skinned. They get that more from their dad than from me Mm -hmm. uh they're you know strawberry blondes light hair and their skin is a little more sensitive and it has been uh since they were babies some of the things they've grown out of a little bit in regards to sensitivity um but you know you can see it more on some of those fair skinned babies some of the redness just like you see a sunburn more uh-huh. And that's because that type of skin is more sensitive to changes in the environment, including sun and dryness. Mm-hmm. Um, in, a, in a baby, eczema oftentimes starts on the face, mm. specifically the cheeks. And that can be your first indication that your child may be developing eczema. Secondly, when you begin to introduce foods to your child, it's important to introduce them slowly and one at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's because the foods can sometimes aggravate or worsen eczema, and it's important that we know which food did it. And so it's important that we distinguish between an allergy and an intolerance. Mm-hmm. And an intolerance is something that maybe makes your stomach up, their baby's stomach upset or mm-hmm. fussy. An allergy is a immunologic reaction and it will get more severe like a bee sting or like peanuts. Sure. Um, the foods that are most commonly going to trigger eczema 
are citrus foods, um, you know, pears and strawberries and some of those things. The American Academy of Allergists have actually recommended introducing peanuts and other nuts within the first year of life to try and reduce the risk for developing those allergies later on. Yeah. Uh, so introducing your food slowly and one at a time can help you as a parent tease out which foods are causing that upset stomach and which foods might be worsening the eczema. Mm-hmm. And with the eczema, uh, say your baby does start to develop it. Um, well, let's talk about treatment. What can we do to alleviate it? So there's a very well-known study in the American Journal of Pediatrics that showed that newborn babies within the first two weeks of life that were routinely moisturized with Vaseline or petroleum had a significant reduction in their lifetime risk for eczema. Essentially, that means coating your child in Vaseline can reduce their overall likelihood of developing eczema. Wow. And it's Once cheap. Once a day, twice a day. And everybody has it. Yeah. I would say at least twice a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. So everybody has it. You know, it's not the best smelling. It doesn't have that nice fragrance. It is a little bit greasier, but throw a onesie on them after you lo- yeah. lube them up with Vaseline, and that is very, very good for their skin. Well, my 83-year-old grandma has put Vaseline around her eyes, I think, since the dawn of time, and she has the most beautiful skin ever known to mankind. She does, and there are some individuals that believe that petroleum-related products may be toxic or mm-hmm. harmful. Mm-hmm. Vaseline has again and again been validated as the best product to apply to your skin. Wow. So... If we see the eczema on our babies and we're treating it and and we're doing the Vaseline and and all those things, there really shouldn't be any discomfort or it it shouldn't be too irritable to our child. Correct. And if it is, it might be an indication that your eczema needs to be treated Mm -hmm. by a professional. Mm -hmm. And symptoms that would suggest your baby is developing more eczema is irritability. You will find your child scratching or rubbing or not sleeping well. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, sleep deprivation is very common in severe eczema babies. The itch is so debilitating that these children Mm. aren't sleeping. So if you find your child with a rash and they're very fussy, it's best to see the pediatrician or the dermatologist uh, to initiate treatment. And treatment is safe. A lot of people may think that putting a steroid cream on your child's body is dangerous. It's not. Uncontrolled eczema is more dangerous. Right, right. And so if our baby does develop eczema early on, will they grow out of it? Will they have it forever? How, how, does, that, how does the longevity of it kind of work? It's a good question. We talked about atopic dermatitis, and atopic dermatitis is more than just eczema on the skin. It is related and highly correlated with two other conditions that children can develop. One is allergies Mm. that we just talked about, Mm -hmm. whether it be seasonal or food. Number two is asthma. And Mm. we see a higher proportion of children with true eczema go on in life to develop eczema, allergies, and asthma, and that's an indication of a genetic or underlying cause. Many children that have kind of plain old eczema, they do tend to grow out of it, Hmm. the vast majority of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you see a difference um, seasonally in it? I know know just for myself as a woman, uh, my skin changes drastically from season to season. Um, Do you see that 
with babies as well and with the eczema? Yes, and I, I have a unique experience where I have lived and worked as a dermatologist in Houston, Texas, where everything is hot and humid. Mm-hmm. And the rates of eczema in Houston, Texas were far lower than the rates of eczema in the second driest state in the say country. in dry Utah. Utah. Yes. And seasonally, we would all expect the winter to be worse. And mm-hmm. that's true mm-hmm. because our bodies are losing more of that moisture. So if you have a humidifier, turn up your humidifier in the winter. If you don't, put a humidifier by the crib. Um, warm baths are better than hot baths. Mm. Hot baths tend to cause more evaporation. Uh, And then it's critical that when you're moisturizing your baby, that that moisturizer gets on within two to three minutes of the baby coming out of the tub so we can trap the moisture into the skin. That's good advice. Good to know. Does that carry true then as maybe as your child gets older into toddler stage and things like that? You still want to try to... Right through adulthood. Within two to three minutes while the skin is still damp, that is the critical time to moisturize. I'll have to tell Jackson to stop running around naked for 17 <laughs> minutes then after his bath. <laughs> you can moisturize him and let him go. It's hard to get a four-year-old within two minutes of anything. Yes, I have one. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, another really common uh, skin condition with babies, diaper rash. Yeah, there are very few things that will stress a mom out more than a diaper rash that won't get better. Because it can be pretty uncomfortable. Yes, and every diaper change you dread because you know your baby's... In pain. In pain. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two big categories of uh, diaper rashes. The first is your common irritation. You know, stool, urine, moisture, that is a very common cause of a diaper rash. And the key to treating that is to change your diapers more frequently than you normally would Mm -hmm. to help dry it out. Sometimes it's important to let that baby crawl around (laughs) without a diaper on to let things dry out. Uh, Irritant contact dermatitis or irritant diaper rashes don't generally involve the chubby creases of your baby's booty Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of times those chubby creases are not exposed to the irritation, the urine or the the poop. And so if the creases look nice and healthy, but the outside of the skin is red and irritated, you're probably dealing with an irritation. Mm, okay. That brings us to number two, which is a yeast. We've all heard of, you know, yeast diaper rashes. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, your pediatrician gives you some nice statin. Yeast doesn't care where the creases are. And so a yeast diaper rash tends to involve the creases as opposed to the irritation. Okay. So one of the keys is looking at those little chubby creases in your baby's legs and seeing if the rash is in there and that can kind of guide you. But uh, generally speaking, uh, the the first form for treatment is to frost it like a cake. <laughs> and what I mean by that is we've all got diaper rash cream, zinc oxide, desitin, whatever. Sure. Frost that baby's bum like a, like a cake, a nice, healthy, thick layer. Mm-hmm. And every diaper change, don't worry about cleaning it all off. Okay. Clean what you can and reapply the zinc oxide. And in a few days, the rash should look better. And so you say a few days, that's kind of yep. the timeline we should be looking at. If it goes longer, at what point then do we need some sort of a help? So sometimes the irritation is coming from maybe an upset stomach and now we've got some diarrhea and those types mm-hmm. of things. Um, but I would say if you're starting to see your child, you know, crying before the diaper change even comes, 
um, unconsolable during diaper changes. You start to see skin that is eroded, is starting to bleed, starting to stick to the diaper. That's a time uh, for the baby's best interest to see a dermatologist and to make sure we know what's going on because there can be, as we've said before, mm -hmm. there can be serious cases of diaper rashes. Um, there's one called Langerhans-Cell histiocytosis. It's a big, long word, and believe it or not, it's actually related to a form of cancer mm. in a baby, uh, and it shows up in the diaper area. So please do not ignore that diaper rash right. if it's not getting better. Right. Now, through our course of conversation here that we've had, Doctor, um, three different topics that we've brought up have been related to yeast. Correct. Baby acne, cradle cap, diaper rash. Is it common to have all three? If, if a baby, if we all have this yeast that you talk about. Um, is there kind of a path of if your baby gets one, it's going to get the other and the other and so on and so forth? Or is it just baby to baby? It, I think it's baby to baby. And that's because every one of us, man, woman, or child, has all of these forms of yeast already a part of our normal skin makeup. Mm -hmm. We have malassezia, we have candida, and those are the two predominant yeast types that create some of these rashes. The problem is these yeasts are opportunistic. They will look for ways to cause a problem if an opportunity arises. Okay. If we're practicing good skin health, then generally these yeasts can be avoided because they don't have an opportunity to get into the skin and start causing a problem. Okay, so if our baby develops baby acne and it's because of that yeast, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get cradle cap or correct. they're going to get diaper rash. That's correct. That's good because, I mean, one thing's enough to handle, right? Yes. <laughs> um, let's talk about from, from diaper rash, you know, we're changing diapers, um, we're using wet wipes, and those can also kind of cause an irritant, a, a contact dermatitis. Yeah, so a contact dermatitis is a situation where something that's coming in contact with the skin is causing a rash. And we have seen a significant increase in the number of these situations. And I will say that this doesn't just apply to babies. It applies to adults as well who are using flushable or disposable type wipes. Mm. There are two ingredients in wipes and pardon the long name, methyl isochlorothiazolinone and methyl isothiazolinone. So we abbreviate them as MI and MCI. Okay. You can put those into the Google search bar, the Yahoo search bar, and get the full name and check your wipes. These are preservatives. So these are what help those wipes sit on the shelf at Costco or Sam's or Walmart for you know months and months and months and, and still maintain their efficacy. Mm -hmm. The problem is people are developing recurring and persistent rashes in the diaper area because we're re-exposing our child to these wipes. Now, it's important to realize that not everybody is going to have a problem with these wipes. Right. And the vast majority of mothers and fathers can continue to use them on their child. But if a rash develops and there's no obvious sign, we need to consider getting rid of our wipes and just going old-fashioned mm -hmm. with warm washcloths and rags and see if the rash begins to get better. Mm -hmm. And is there... 
Is there a wipe out there that doesn't have the MCI or the MI in it? Manufacturers are aware of this and they're trying to get ahead of the consumer blowback. And so there are many manufacturers that are in the process of making preservative free wipes. Who knew so, that was even so going to be a thing, Look right? for those, yep. Okay, okay. Um, sunscreen. We know how sensitive and perfect and precious our baby skin is and how much it needs to be protected, how much damage sun can do. I mean, if we know the damage it can do to our skin as an adult, imagine the damage, right, it can do to a perfect little baby's fresh skin. But there are there's some regulations when it comes to sunscreen in babies. Um, some sunscreens shouldn't even be used on babies under a certain age, right? Correct, yes. So baby skin, as we said, is perfect. Mm -hmm. And as we also said, it is still developing. Mm -hmm. Babies under six months, their sweat glands are still immature. Their oil glands are still developing. And so if we slather on a big, heavy, thick layer of sunscreen and take them out in the Utah summer, that baby is going to overheat because their sweat glands are not mature enough to cool their body. So under six months of age, it is generally recommended that you pr practice sun safety by avoiding the sun. Shade, clothing, hats, draping a blanket over the car carrier, mm -hmm. things like that, rather than sticking them in a hot environment with a chemical sunscreen. So there's two types of sunscreens. There's the chemical sunscreen, which will often have four, five, or even six different ingredients. And that's because each ingredient only covers a small section of the UV spectrum. The sunscreen that you want to put on your child is actually a sunblock. And sunblocks are the ones that Wendy Peppercorn wiped <laughs> on her nose in the sandlot. Yeah. They're those zinc oxide based sunscreens or mm -hmm. sunblocks. And that's the same medicine that we use on diaper rashes. Mm -hmm. It's just that in sunscreen, it's formulated in a way that it makes it a little bit more elegant for the skin. And we don't absorb the chemicals into our baby's body that we would if we used a sunscreen. So look for zinc and titanium in your baby's sunscre sunscreen. And Neutrogena Baby is my favorite. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, because after six months, then that's when we should start lathering our babies up. Yep. Keeping them protected from the sun. The family's heading to the pool. We're heading out to the lake. We're going on a hike, whatever it may be. Just in the backyard. Just even. in the backyard. Um, if you're going to be out in the sun for more than about 15 or 20 minutes, it's advisable to have sunscreen on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important to apply it before we get out into the sun and especially before we start sweating mm -hmm. because sometimes the sunscreen doesn't hold. Also, it's important to try and avoid the sun at all costs. And don't get me wrong, I love the sun, mm -hmm. but wearing hats, mm -hmm. seeking shade when you can, and when you can't, enjoy the sun, but just be smart about it. Oh, yeah. Well, my kids, like I was saying, they're so fair. They swim in full swim shirts and, I mean, the whole nine yards, which I love because... I mean, sometimes you can't put enough sunscreen on a child. Correct. And you will lose your mind trying to apply sunscreen to multiple children mm -hmm. on a vacation mm -hmm. or in the backyard every hour. Right. It, it ruins the vacation sometimes. And so as you've indicated, there are new clothing 
mm-hmm. that are sun protective clothing. And the key advertising uh, label that you want to look at on the clothing is UPF, and that stands for ultraviolet protective factor. Okay. These clothing have a different woven fabric. It's tighter. It blocks out the UV rays and it can minimize your need for sunscreen at all. Wow. So well, you'll always know the part you miss, especially when they're swimming and all of a sudden the backs of their neck get a little redder or that little crease in between their swimsuit bottom and their, their, <laughs> and their swim shirt on their back. So places to not forget are the tops of the ears. Mm-hmm. That one gets missed a lot. And if we're walking around in flip-flops or sandals at a fair, on oh, a the hike, tops the, the tops of the feet. Yes. Okay. One other thing is it's important to protect our children when they're young and perfect like this because some damage that occurs in youth is actually the damage that produces the skin cancer when you're 40, 50, 60, or 70. Mm. So similar to a small amount of money deposited in your child's piggy bank or the actual bank, (laughs) at the age of 65, it is worth a whole lot more than what you put in. Right. And the same is true with sun damage. A little bit of sun damage when they're young, by the time they're 65, is a whole lot more sun damage because of time. Because of time. Oh, sun protection is so crucial from start to finish. Absolutely. Um, what other kind of suggestions do you have in regards to... Uh, our baby's skin and, and making sure that it's, you know, kind of on the right healthy track as it continues to to grow and, and form itself. We have some wonderful pediatricians that I work with and continuing your well baby checks with your pediatrician mm-hmm. are really important because there are different things that can be caught at various segments of life. So continue with your well baby checks with your pediatrician. If he or she ever identifies something that seems off, they are usually quick to refer to a dermatologist for for intervention. Number 2, you just moisturize, moisturize, moisturize and protect. And last of all, Enjoy them because they're not little for long. <laughs> That's so true. I know. Mine are four and six and a half, and I'm wondering how long I can keep them in these swim shirts because I have a feeling at like 16 and 18, they're like, I don't want to wear a swim shirt anymore. That's right. <laughs> but you got to. Yep. I'm going to make them forever. Please do. Okay, I will. Doctor says, right? That's right. Uh, resources people can find online. Where should they go? So resources would include the American Academy of Dermatology, Um, a little self plug for me. I host an Instagram site where I offer patients practical advice on skincare recommendations on different things like the topics we've talked about. Mm -hmm. I can be found at IG skin doc on Instagram. We can also go to the American Academy of Pediatrics and for, um, other good skin advice is just to make sure you're looking at a reputable site like a hospital website, um, MedNet is another good one. Yeah, or intermountainhealthcare.org That's services right. dermatology, right? That's us. Perfect. They can find you there too. All right, Dr. Alston, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Keeping our baby's skin as perfect as it can be. That's the goal, right? Yes. Thank you for having me. All right, that concludes this week's episode of the Baby Your Baby podcast.
Thanks for joining me, Jade Elliott, and our guest for this week's Baby Your Baby podcast. If you have a topic that you'd like our Baby Your Baby experts to discuss, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV2 news podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health.